Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. I think some of my favorite stories came from those who didn't think that they had one. And I remember tears streaming down your face. Something that I hear really often is, uh, well, I don't have a story. I don't really know why I'm here. Everything we did, we did together. No, I had four jobs. I had so many jobs at one time, Nicole. I was going to the wrong job. We're really aiming to capture relationships and connections between people. There needs to be more than just swords and shields. You need blankets and hugs, too. For listeners who tune into this station on Friday mornings, this music may ring a bell. That's because each Friday, NPR's Morning Edition features a story from StoryCorps introduced by those notes. What follows thereafter is a bit of magic built around audio from interviews that are often recorded in a very fancy signature Airstream trailer, a mobile studio that travels to different places all over the country. Some of that magic is technical audio stuff, but most of it really is human. And to talk about how the StoryCorps project gets to that magic and what will be happening when the StoryCorps trailer comes back to St. Louis and Rolla. For the first time in nearly a decade, we have Leah Zickmund, the director of StoryCorps' mobile tour. Leah, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So let's go with uh, some of the basics can you explain uh, what StoryCorps is to me as though I were nine and uh, grown-ups in my life don't have NPR going in their car? Absolutely. That's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> um, StoryCorps, broken down, is really a, an oral history project, but oral history in a really different sense than we might understand it. Um, The idea behind the project is to record conversations between people who know and love each other. So oftentimes we're recording conversations between friends, family members, um, colleagues, etc. And the reason that we do this is to take a break from, you know, our busy lives and schedules to share a moment with someone and make sure that that moment is archived. Um, So for as long as StoryCorps has been around, we've had a partnership with the Library of Congress at the American Folklife Center, where stories have been archived for generations to come to listen to. Mm -hmm. Now, during our conversation today, Leah, we're going to be listening to three StoryCorps stories that have been edited down and featured, and all of them have a St. Louis tie. So let's jump into that first one now. In 2015, Colleen Kelly Starkloff sat down with her daughter, Megan Starkloff Breitenstein, about the day she met her late husband, Max Starkloff. In his early 20s, Max was in a near-fatal car accident, which left him quadriplegic and living in a nursing home. One day, he came across a young woman who worked there named Colleen, who would become his wife. Here comes this guy into my office, dropped dead gorgeous. I was done, Megan, right then and there. Max was six feet five, 
sat very tall in his wheelchair. He couldn't use his fingers or his hands, but he could get his left arm around me to hug me, and that was fine with me, and I was smitten. How long did you guys date before he proposed? We dated for two years. And when I told Grandma and Grandpa that Dad had asked me to marry him, Grandmother said to me, you marry a person because you love them, not to be their nurse. And I said, Mom, I love him, and I won't be his nurse. I'll be his partner. I'll be the mother of his children. That blew their socks off. I knew adoption was how we were going to get you guys, but getting you wasn't very easy. I remember a social worker coming out to the house and telling us how we wouldn't be good parents. I was devastated. Right. But Dad told her how wrong she was, turned to me and said, sweetie, get her coat, she's leaving, and kicked her out of the house. And so when you came along, you changed our world because you were his little buddy. And when you were four years old, you were riding on Dad's footrest in his wheelchair. I used to love doing that. Yeah, you had your feet between his feet on the foot pedals, and you had your arms resting on his knees riding down the street. And who's at the gas station at the corner but the social worker? And he rode you right up next to her car and said, I'm Max Starkloff, and I want to introduce you to my daughter, Megan. She's four years old. And then he (laughs) wheeled away, never gave her a chance to say one word. I just feel very blessed that somebody gave you guys a chance. Everything we did, we did together. Going to your games, going to your swim meets, your father was there. I knew when I met Dad that this was a man who I could stand with and love. He was a, a man among men. Your dad was a giant. That was Colleen Kelly Starkloff with her daughter, Megan Starkloff Breitenstein, remembering Max Starkloff. So, Leah, in hearing that bit of audio, I mean, what does that, uh, what does that illustrate about the the purpose of StoryCorps and why it started? Mm. I really love that audio, by the way. I just love that you guys chose to play it for a lot of reasons. But, um, I mean, I think what it illustrates and speaks to is the heart of our work is um, that we're really aiming to capture relationships and connections between people. Um, I think the reason that StoryCorps segments tend to really touch people and elicit a lot of emotion is because it reminds them of their own humanity. And so it's very easy to hear in that piece, you know, the connection that um, the parents had together that the daughter had with her father. And um, that part is really, really important. We often hear at StoryCorps, um, you know, for as many people as are familiar with what we do. There's so many who aren't and they might make it to an appointment and still be uncertain about what they want to talk about or um, maybe their son or daughter sign them up for an appointment. But something that I hear really often is, uh, well, I don't have a story. I don't really know why I'm here. Um, And I think what we're really trying to do is change that narrative and remind people that there doesn't need to be a specific narrative arc to your life. The life that you lived is meaningful if because of the people around you. And so being able to see it in that way and see it as a way to just capture moments of your life, to capture memories of someone who is important to you, or to capture whoever's in front of you at that very moment is way more important than anything else that we could do. Mm-hmm. So really being present is is a big key to this. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things, um, you know, that I, I think is important to, to point out is that what we heard was edited audio. People don't go into the booth and produce that. Um, how, how does it work once people get to the, the trailer to, to do the recording and the interview with you all? Totally. So I'm actually going to start a little bit before they come in. Um, when people sign up for a recording appointment, they've either been asked to sign up by a, an organization that they're a part of, or if they've signed up online, um, the first thing that happens is we reach out and confirm their appointment ahead of time. Um, and the reason we do this is just to make sure that people know exactly what to expect before they come in. If they want to put some thought into their recording, that they have the time to do that. Um, But when folks come in to record, the first thing that happens is they are greeted by what we call a facilitator at StoryCorps. um, And that person acts as a guide for the next hour that they spend with those participants. Um, They are well-trained, active listeners, uh, truly empathetic people in the core of StoryCorps. Um, And so what they do is they walk participants through every step of the process, letting them know about forms that they'll fill out ahead of time, what will happen once they get into the recording space, which is now our Airstream trailer um, that we've started using again back in April, Um, and what forms they might be asked to fill out afterwards if they'd like to release and archive their recording. Um, When they go into the recording space, the facilitators really take on a listening role. Um, And so they get the the participants set up to start the recording um, and maybe ask a couple of questions throughout. But we strongly emphasize that this conversation is driven by and it's for the participants who come in. So there's never anything that we ask people to talk about. There's nothing people aren't allowed to talk about. We really want to give that space to people to decide, you know, what do you want people to know about you? And how do you want to use this 40 minutes of recording time to be able to capture that? Um, And so like you said, you know, these are really, really edited segments. Um, But the reality is people come in for 40 minutes of recording time um, that does not have to sound perfect using, you know, but um, like all of those (laughs) things throughout is completely fine. Um, And we always let folks know that there doesn't need to be any sort of chronological, um, you know, logical order to it, because I think, you know, memory doesn't tend to work that way. So people move around with their stories. And um, I just try to get folks to focus on it as if, you know, you're meeting with a friend over coffee, but you you happen to be in a recording space while you're doing it. Right. (laughs) Now, we should mention here that StoryCorps will be here from September 14th through October 20th. um, And that Airstream trailer uh, will be parked in the public media commons right outside our studio here in Grand Center. Appointments are open now at stlpr.org slash events. Leah, you know the process well, that interview process, because you used to be a facilitator. What does success look like when you're in the mobile studio? That's a great question. Um, And it reminds me of, you know, when I used to facilitate recordings, the second that I would turn the recording off, the participants would always turn and face me. And this very often happened that they would ask, how'd we do? (laughs) Um, 
And I would usually reflect that question back at them and say, how do you feel? Um, did you learn something new about each other? Did you accomplish what you wanted to set out to accomplish today? And so I think, you know, a successful recording is when people were able to come in and use the space as they hope to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've, I've been saying this for as long as I've been working at StoryCorps. There are so many people whose stories have been recorded on their behalf um, by other people. And I think it's really beautiful that we give people the space to share what they want to share. Um, there's nothing about their story that they have to share with people, um, and nothing that they can't. And so I would say a successful one is one where I can tell that they've used that space for exactly what it's intended to be. Mm. And on that note, let's listen to another story with a St. Louis connection. Um, In 2019, five years after they met in Ferguson protests um, after the killing of Mike Brown by police officer Darren Wilson, Jamal Spann and Elizabeth Vega, they reunited at StoryCorps to remember the moment. Um, Their photo was captured by a photographer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that won a Pulitzer Prize. We're on the sidewalk and the police were advancing on us in full riot gear. And I remember tears streaming down your face, fists clenched as you were naming off all the people that had been beaten by the police that you knew. It was a raw, real moment. And I just put my hand on your chest I don't know why I did that, but that just felt like the right and human thing to do. What did you think when you saw the photo? I said, I ain't like it because I feel like what everybody perceived was this vulnerable black guy. And where I come from, that shouldn't be taken as vulnerable. That was that was warrior spirit to have love and righteous anger that is in your body and your soul awaken in you. And that feeling has lasted for five years. For a lot of black men that grow up in St. Louis, we watch each other die a lot. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Mike Brown, but I knew how I felt to like watch somebody die. You know what I'm saying? There is no one person that I feel like anyone can talk to to truly understand what happened in those initial nights and how it feels as people who still live here in this city. I don't know if you know this, but you changed my life that day. I definitely say your relationship and what you did changed me. That calling that we couldn't explain that drove us to each other. I didn't want to feel like I needed help. And now? I appreciate it because I see that it's like without it, a family or a village isn't sustainable. There needs to be more than just swords and shields. You need blankets and hugs, too. That's Jamel Spann and Elizabeth Vega talking with StoryCorps in 2019. They reunited five years after they met in Ferguson, protesting the police killing of Michael Brown. Um, I've heard that audio before, and hearing it again like brings tears to my eyes. Um, is the Airstream trailer equipped with Kleenex? I mean, <laughs> how do how do people leave the the trailer once they're done with their interviews? Mm. 
Uh, yes, we are equipped with tissues. We have them on the table. Um, and I will point out they're on the table for the participants and they are on the table for the facilitators because when you come in, we are feeling with you. Um, and so um, I think we take a great deal of care after these recordings. Um, you know, besides my team being trained and using the audio equipment, um, we talk a lot about extending compassion for people telling their stories um, and being able to just hold that space for people. Um, and I, I empathize with what that feels like because I've recorded with StoryCorps myself. Um, and even though I was, you know, well equipped on the other side, it is a really, really powerful feeling to go in and share any moment of your life, whether it's like the story that we just heard, um, a reflection with a family member. And so usually we, we try to encourage just a really quick debrief. Um, with my participants, I would often encourage that we took a deep breath and just took a second to think about like, wow, this was really powerful that you took the time to record that. Um, it's very common for our participants to hug after their recordings. Um, and we take photos of them um, after the recording if they're interested. And something so interesting is sometimes we've had folks ask to do their photos beforehand and we kind of gently nudge that we do it afterwards because if you think about the sort of photo that you take after you have an incredible conversation with someone um it just really can't be compared so i would definitely say that we we try to do our best to make sure that people have the space to process what they shared and to just remind them, you know, sometimes the most valuable thing is to be heard and to be in a space where you're being listened to. Mm-hmm. Now, not all of the stories um, trigger tears for the same reason. Let's listen to the last story core story we want to feature today. Uh, and that is between Ed Cage and Nicole Paris, the father-daughter beatboxing duo. At StoryCorps, they remembered how their beatboxing journey began. When mom was pregnant with you, I would get right up on her stomach and beatbox to mom's belly. And you would feel the vibration. And when I did that, you would just shake. And one of the greatest joys of my life was actually seeing you being born. Were you prepared at all to be a father? No, no, I wasn't prepared. I was 16 when we had your brother. So when I said, okay, I'm going to do this, I threw everything into it. You had like two, three? No, I had four jobs. I had so many jobs jobs at one time, Nicole. I was going to the wrong job. You know, you being away so much growing up, that was hard. Yeah, I didn't want to be the dude that came in and left. So I had to figure out how I was, as a father, going to connect. And you were always like to hear me beatbox. So you used to sit up on my lap and you would just bang your head trying to keep that beat going. I remember one time you was making a whole bunch of crazy sounds. And I told you, I don't know what that is. But then I had to check myself and say, well, whatever you want to do, Nicole, that's what you do, okay? And now you go to sleep beatboxing. When you wake up, we'll beatboxing. When we're cooking, when we're driving. So when you and I communicate with each other, we can do it by beats. Yes. Let's say if I don't agree with something that you're doing and 
I feel angry. Why you just roll your eyes at me? Because you make me mad. I'll do more of a bass beat. Kind of like... Yeah. I can tell when you're not feeling good. Because your beats are... Real yeah. down. But when you are feeling like, oh, I'm ready to take on the world, you... Right. Pops, I love the bond that me and you share. You know, baby, it's it's something, Nikki. To see you go out into the world continually trying to be the best that you can be, I just absolutely love that about you. And as a father, that's all I can ask for. That's Ed Cage and his daughter, Nicole Paris of St. Louis, talking with StoryCorps about their beatboxing journey. Leah, with about one minute left, uh, what should people think about if they're on the fence about whether they should participate in this and sign up? Hmm. I think you should think about, um, you know, the impact. I think um, it's so important to have stories recorded across the U.S. and this project is really exciting in that we try to go to as many places as possible. And I, you know, from my experience facilitating and working with people on the ground all across the U.S., I think some of my favorite stories came from those who didn't think that they had one. And it has been such a perpetual reminder to me that uh, we are, no person is one story. We're a conglomeration of so many different narratives and experiences. Um, and so I guess with that being said, I would encourage people to just don't overthink it. Sign up for a recording. I have never, ever met someone who regretted coming into the booth. Um, and on the other hand, have seen so many people who were so grateful uh, to have captured a moment in time with someone that they cared about. Leah Zygmunt is director of the StoryCorps mobile tour. StoryCorps will be here from September 14th through October 20th. Appointments are open now. Visit stlpr.org events. Today's episode was produced by our executive producer, Alex Hoyer. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.